It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Welcome to Great Mondays Radio. On today's episode, I am super excited to have Eric Corey Freed, uh, who is the Director of Sustainability at one of the Earth's largest architecture firms, Canon Design. <laughs> you could be more specific than that. but uh, And uh, we're going to be talking about culture uh, at these kinds of design firms, these architecture firms. So Corey, thank you, uh, Eric Corey, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us. Uh, tell me a little bit about kind of uh, where you are, what you do and and how culture plays into it. So, well, first of all, thanks for um, having me uh, and thanks for letting me bully you to uh, have me on as a guest. <laughs> so, <let's talk> about <laughs> this. I invited you, I invited you. Oh, right, right. But uh, uh, I'm I'm an architect, right? And first and foremost, I, I I think I always go through the lens of that, right? You know, I I talk with my hands, I sketch a lot. You know, I think in terms of creative problem solving. So kind of in in my bones is is you know I'm an architect first, but my entire career has been focused on sustainability, and so I'm director of sustainability Canon Design, and this is uh, as I tell everybody, I have the best job in the firm <laughs> because <laughs> I. I get to work with everybody. I get to walk work across all of the teams, all the offices, all the everybody, uh, all the projects, everything. And and my job is to make the projects better. And I couldn't do what I do well if it if I didn't have a, a whole track record of failure behind me of like uh, working, you know, working with creative teams, getting people motivated and excited, letting them trust me enough to join the team and and get in front of the clients and and facilitate those conversations. Uh, so in a very weird way, um, what I do now, which which you know I make I try to make very fun and and um, you know vibrant, it, it took a lot of work to make it to make it look this easy, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so what I think I hear you saying, and you said kind of the magic word, which is trust. You are leaning heavily into relationships, building those relationships, building trust with your internal teams. It's almost your clients are your internal teams uh, and you have to be able to kind of uh, jump in and out amongst those. Where I, I, And I think that's interesting because I think that's actually more and more what work is going to be like for everybody, which is joining a team for six months, jumping off a team. And, and so I wonder if you can tell us what has like how how have you been able to um gain trust so quickly or what is it that you do that enables you to kind of jump into a a, a group a different team uh at different times what is what is that process or, or what where you know what do you what skills are you leaning on there so i joined i joined canon uh right at the beginning of 2020 technically the end of 2019, but, you know, January, 2020. Right. And then three months later, COVID happened. We're, we're a firm of 1200 people across all these different offices. And COVID was oddly enough, a blessing in disguise for me, 
because I was able to essentially set up one-on-one meetings with all the key people in the firm. And mm. I did it very, very quickly. And I came to that not not asking them for anything, not saying, please put me on your projects. I didn't, I, I knew that wouldn't work. <laughs> but instead, coming to them with an offer that look, I can help you do your job better. I can make your projects better. And here's how. And I and I was very uh um it helps when you're sincere when you do that too. So I was very sincere about it because I truly believe that's what's happening. They're they're busy trying to get their projects designed and then bid and then built, and I'm there to make the projects better. So I'm really there to support them, and I take that role very very seriously. And I think uh, they could hear that conviction and sincerity in my voice. Um, it also planted the seed in their mind that well, the current projects I have might not be right, but the next one is. And so trust is the word that I always use to do that. Where I was, I would verbally say, "Look, I know you don't know me from anybody, but." I'm asking you to trust me. Hmm. Do you explicitly uh, make that ask? Yeah, you had to, right? I had to be. I had to be ultimately very transparent about here's what I can do for you. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's what I can do for the clients, and I'm asking you to trust me. And uh, you know, I guess having all this gray hair paid off because they they fortunately did. What's e- What's even more interesting is that the clients, um. You, you essentially have to go through that with the clients too. So first you're put on the project and you're helping either win the project or get the project launched or you know kicked off. And then you have to kind of build that trust with the client. Mm. And some of these clients now, you know, I've been I've been working with on multiple projects over and over again. And it's been it's been fantastic. But trust is trust is the centerpiece of all of this. And this this dates back to uh you know, you remember that book uh, Patrick Lencioni uh, five dysfunctions of a team. Remember that book? Yep. Yep. So I, it wasn't until I had a very dysfunctional team and I, that I started realizing that I needed to look for a solution <laughs> of how to overcome this. Mm. And that book, that book is one of the, was one of several books that really kind of clued it in. And I think his number one dysfunction is the absence of trust. So I, I, ha- I have to do this with my sustainability teammates. I have to do it with my project mates and all of my colleagues across the entire firm, but that we also have to do it with the clients too. I'm asking them to try something that's never been done before. We're inventing a new prototype of a building. We're only going to build one of them, right? So your trust is always kind of part of architecture anyway, but when it comes to sustainability mm. and achieving certain goals around energy or carbon or, you know, health, it it takes it takes a bit of trust. And I think because I'm acknowledging that uh at the beginning and asking for it explicitly, I think that was the key. What I, I I picked up on um, from what you just said, one of the things is this: I'm not asking you for anything. I'm here to help, and and to me, that's like that servant leadership ideology of like, how can I help you? I'm I'm here to make you look good. I'm help here to help your work get better, and I I fear that m- uh, many. Um, individual contributors or managers or um, organizational leaders don't approach it in that way that they're they are hey do this for me when it's really should be how can I help you succeed I, I just I'm there's something about that that just sparked for me like a realization around the power of that, in service of building that trust. Is that, does that resonate? Does that sound 
like the the what's what's happening yeah not only not only does it resonate i mean that's that's exactly what i was consciously and and continue to consciously do right i'm i i say it every day right i'm here to serve you when we have new people join the firm you know I, uh, I do a new hire orientation for the entire firm. So all the new people that join, when uh, senior people join, I reach out to them directly to set up one-on-ones with them. The very first thing I say to all of these folks is, I, I work for you. I'm your sustainability director, right? And um, so there's a certain humility there that, that's, that's made possible, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm making myself vulnerable deliberately in order to gain their trust. Now, granted, I'm manipulating the hell out of everybody, right? Because I, I want them to trust me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's very, it's very Machiavellian in a certain sense. But I'm doing it for the greater good, right? I'm doing it to b- build greener, healthier buildings. So, um, yes, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very strategic in in gaining their trust, but I'm also very sincere in gaining their trust. And I think that combination is is what helps. If if I was, um, you know, if I was like head of IT or something, I you know I don't know I don't know if I don't know if that ploy would work as well. Well, I think the head of IT would say I'm I'm here to help you, you know. So probably they believe that they probably yeah. they I don't know if they would look at you and say you have the best job or I have the best job in the firm. In any case, I think what is interesting and and I think there's going to be more in the future. We're going to have more organizations become more modular. And I think that an architecture firm is a great model to look at because like you said, you have a project life cycle and you're going to build one of them and you have a team and maybe these teams are more frequently interacting and maybe they're not, uh, they kind of disband and come together. And so I think what, what our conversation is revealing for me at least is some new, like a new skill set that we're all going to have to learn which is how do we start trusting each other more quickly? How do we establish the rules? Because in the future, we're not going to have like these teams that have worked together for 10, 15, 20 years. It's just not like that. And and that's to me, I think what we're going to see either people succeed or fail depending on how they build that. So I, I don't know. So I don't know. Reflect on that. I mean, is that, I don't know that that just 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 occurred to me. I don't even have a question for you. It's just something. No, no. It, I just, but it, it but what you're saying makes total sense, right? We're first of all, Canon Design is a 110 plus year old firm, uh, right? So it's there's a certain there's a certain breadth of longe, longevity I think that we that we all have by having this kind of old old yeah. school firm. Yeah. Uh, and of course, all the original founders are long gone. So. Um, uh, and and the way the firm is designed, it, it was deliberately designed so you can you can pick and choose the best talent from anywhere. You're not limited to the only people from the LA office or only people from the Chicago office. We don't do any of that stuff. Uh, and so I have a firm wide role, right? I get to I get to serve everybody across the firm, so I can be part of your selection, right? Of like, oh, let's throw let's sprinkle a little Eric on there for sustainability, and we'll sprinkle a little Bob on here and a little Susan on there and a little Jill on there, right? Where there's, you can, so we're used to working these very modular teams that we put together. Now, some of these teams, we like each other so much that anytime we go for a cancer center, for example, it's pretty much now we're pulling together the same buckets of talent 
anytime we go for a behavioral health center or a university building or an office, right? Now the trick, the trick that I wanted to play, and I and I keep pulling it off, is that I want to make sure that I'm on every team. So uh in the one sense, that's great, right? And and I built a, a whole sustainability team of of really talented folks uh to help scale this idea. So we're on every project now. But the bad side of that is holy smokes, we're in every project now. Like now, how do how do you how do you scale that? So I I entered the company knowing that I had to engage them in a change management strategy. I knew that I had to essentially embed sustainability into every part of the process. A and new to do way that, of had, working. Yes, a new way of working and changing how they work. And some people are not immediately open to doing that. Of and course, then once I gained once I gained their trust and they saw the results that we were winning work because of our sustainability story, we were delivering better projects because of our sustainability story. That that was the first stage. The second stage was then scaling the team, which I spent the last three years doing. And now this third stage is um, scaling impact, right? Like how do we go after bigger and better projects? And that's what we're in the middle of now. And we're doing, you know. Design the future of the cancer center for University of Chicago. Design the the future of a, a cancer center high rise for Memorial Sloan Kettering. Design the future of labs for the leading laboratories in the country. Like we're now at that point of scale and the impact where sustainability is not just sprinkled in, mm-hmm. but really, really kind of woven in and baked in from the from the outset and driving the design. And but it's all been a change management strategy, you know, from day one. To, to in order to change this, you know, um, hundred and ten year old firm that in some way was very kind of comfortable in its own skin, and how do we how do we really push them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's so that's so compelling. It's so interesting. Um, when you were, I want to jump back to phase two. When you were scaling your team, when you were hiring, are there any um, lessons to learn? Anything that you could share with? Um, someone who is scaling a team, not necessarily obviously in architecture, but if they're building a team from the ground up, if they're scaling their team, when you think about how you did it, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? What did you learn from that? <laughs> well, I think we, I think I probably did a lot wrong. Uh, so over the, over the years, I've, I've gotten to hire a lot of people. And, if, and I think at first, when I was younger, I hired people that I liked. Yes. And that's just, that's a mistake, right? Uh, you'll learn to like everybody you work with anyway, right? And I like everybody. So what's the what's the what's the difference? Why am I only hiring people I like? Uh, so that's number one. And then and then number two, you start to look at a, a, as people as resources. We need somebody with X. Let's go find somebody with X and plug them in. Well, that doesn't work either because there's a cultural fit that needs to happen. And so now the process that we have is is pretty lengthy, oddly enough. But it's lengthy because I'm very protective of this group that I've built, right? So we've got, you know, we started with zero sustainability people. And now we're, you know, then me and then and then uh, one other. And then now we're up to 13 and growing. Um, but I'm very protective of them. I tell them uh, regularly to the point of absurdity. I'm like, if you're even thinking of leaving, I want to know. Because it means that I've, it means that I've failed you. Right. I failed to keep you engaged and motivated and inspired. I mean, it shouldn't even occur to you to want to leave. People don't leave because of money. They say that's the reason, but it's it's not. Uh, they they leave because they're they're being poorly managed, they're being uninspired, they they don't like their teams that they're working with, right? They don't like the work they're doing. That's why people leave. And so if they're even thinking of it, I I 
tell them this all the time, I, I want to know it um, because it means that I failed them. And I take that very seriously as well. And so the same thing is true with hiring. If we're hiring people, they need to have a voice in this. So if you want to join our, our team, you eventually have to meet everybody um, and go through a, at least a chemistry test, right? So, uh, so you're saying that they have to do 13 hire inter- hiring interviews before they're brought No, on? God, no. Not yet, but it's 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 getting that there. Sound which, scalable. Which, it's not scalable. But what but basically with the key group you're going to be working with, uh yes. So if you're going to be working with the building performance team, those three, you'll have one extra meeting with them all at once. And they're a tough crowd, man. Like they're you know, they know their stuff. Mm-hmm. And but if they give me the thumbs down, uh they know that I'll uh, uh, you know, I'll trust them. Again, there's that word again, right? Uh I think you know. I I try to create this culture where nobody's getting micromanaged. Instead, it it follows this kind of old vision of look. Um, I'm not going to teach you. It's it's an uh, Antoine Exbury quote from The Little Prince. Uh, and in it, and I'm paraphrasing. In it, he's the quote is, "If you want to teach people how to build a ship, don't show them how to cut wood and hammer nails, but instead instill in them this vast longing for the endlessness of the sea." And so that's what I'm after. Everybody in our group, in the sustainability group, is passionate about sustainability. That's what they have in common. And they all have different skill sets and different abilities. But all of them know that, uh, that they are valued. All of them know that they are trusted. All of them know that if I throw them the ball, I, I expect them to catch it. And if they need anything, I will tell me what's in your way, and I will clear the path to get to it, mm-hmm. which really came from Simon Sinek. Uh, well, all of it. Start with why. and. Eat, yeah. you know leaders eat last and all that stuff but it's all it's all based on that right so i i want to create this thing where um where they feel empowered and trusted all of them are subject matter experts and all of them should feel empowered to do that so if they want to get into writing or thought leadership or speaking or presenting or facilitating or workshopping whatever skill they want to build even if they have none then i want to know that and then i'll we'll get them on the track to do that they have to feel empowered all the time so has anybody left your team and you learned something from that? You you feel like you you failed them and then made that made that adjustment? Yeah, there were two there were two that were um and they'll probably listen to this. <laughs> so so if you're listening, hi. But um there were two that were friends before and you know, one of them came, you know, wanted to come on board and was hounding me about it. And I said, look, I don't know if you're the right fit. And I should have listened to my gut as, as smart and talented as they were. I, I, I deep down knew they weren't the right fit. They lasted, I think seven months mm-hmm. and, and they said, I'm not happy. And then I ended up giving, giving them uh, a recommendation for their job that they're currently in. So, I mean, it, it ended up working out, but, um, I could have saved everybody a lot of time. That was one. The second one was uh, was a, another friend who was unhappy, but was afraid to communicate with me because of our friendship. Yeah. And then when he left, he took. When he left, he didn't know how to do it, and yeah. he was just young, young and immature, and so did it just with this like mass email, of, and it just completely blindsided me. Um, and again, I took it as a failure. Like, how did I fail you? And it was because because we were so close as friends that he was very reluctant to tell me anything, right? So that was a different type of trust. 
Um, mm. And and I um, and I'm still upset about it. <laughs> I'm not, but we're still friends. I mean, that's the good yeah. news. But yeah, but it but it's just a, a disappointment because uh, he was a great fit at the firm, but wasn't getting empowered um, to do the type of work that he wanted to do, and didn't know how to communicate that well. And yeah. I didn't know to look for it. Wow. Well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, being being uh, open enough to to share some of those with with us. Well, the fa- there, there's so many failures. It's easy to talk about the failures because there's so many of them. You know, the successes <laughs> I I'm more I'm more bashful about. All right. Well, we're almost at the end. Um, what would you say um, is the for for managers or leaders who are growing their teams who want to think either want to think about this kind of modular approach or just building that team like you have do you have any like words of wisdom parting thoughts like what what maybe tips or tricks i don't know yeah giving you a whole bunch of options here to kind of finish up put a button on this well it you know in a certain sense there's a word that we haven't said yet uh, and I know it's a, it's a word that gets overused, but the word is innovation, right? I I feel that we are in the innovation business. We're in the creative problem solving innovation business. Yes. And you can't, just as you can't plan to be spontaneous, right? Hey, let's plan for next Tuesday to be spontaneous, uh, right? That doesn't work. You also just can't force innovation. You have to you have to create the the right conditions for it to happen. And part of that is letting people wander, right? Letting them wonder. And switching your mindset from a why to a what if. And so everybody on the sustainability team is uh, almost to a fault, very much on the, well, what if we do this? And what if we were to do that? And what if we were to get net zero energy? And what if we could do a zero carbon building? And what what if this was the healthiest building that this client has ever done? What if, what if, what if, right? Uh, as opposed to why, you know, why would we do that? Um, and that that enthusiasm becomes contagious. It it it, start, it gets it spreads to the rest of the project team within Canon Design, but then it also spreads to the client. And mm-hmm. I always know I always know that I always know that you have a great thing going when the client is is like stumbling over their words and as excited as you are right in in the room when you're kind of wondering well, what if this and what if that and what about this and what about that you know. So um, my advice is is make sure you create the the right conditions for innovation to happen all of you should be thinking of yourself as in the innovation business whether you realize it or not right um you know we're designing cutting edge buildings so we kind of have to be but even if you're designing coat hangers if you if you don't innovate you'll die i always think of that stat and josh you probably know it better than i do but you know if you took uh the fortune you know the 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 s&p 500 from 50 years ago something like 77% of them are gone. 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 Right? Yep. Because they fail to innovate. So innovation is like breathing. You have to constantly be doing it, right? Uh, But it's hard. It's harder than breathing. Oh yeah. It takes work, but you know, it's, to me, it's, to me, it's fun. So we do it internally for the firm. So how do we look at the next hundred years? We do it for our clients, but we're actively doing it. And some people hear the word innovation and think, oh, that's expensive. No, what's expensive is uh, going out of business because you failed to innovate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly expensive. The risk. Right. 
Awesome. Uh, Eric Corey Freed, Director of Sustainability at Canon Design. If you want to learn more about uh, his work, uh, go to canondesign.com, C-A-N-N-O-N-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. Thank you so much for coming on Great Mondays Radio and sharing your wisdom. It is a, It was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I really I learned a lot. So thanks so much. Wow. That was my, that was part of my goal. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to listening to future episodes too. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine on YouTube at Great Mondays. And you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio.